There's no doubt that references to farming and to its associated practices abound within the Word of God. For example, God's Word itself is referred to as seed, incorruptible seed, is how Peter describes the Word of God over there in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The Christian worker in Psalm 126 is described or depicted as a sower of this seed. He that goeth forth and bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. In Luke chapter 9, verse number 62, the Lord Jesus Christ, he uses a piece of farming apparatus to put forth a very serious matter with regard to those who, having begun the Christian life, then turn back and look back. The Lord Jesus Christ said, No man having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The end of the world on many occasions is depicted like the gathering in of a harvest. Apostle John in the book of the Revelation chapter 14 in the verses 14 and 15 uses this harvest imagery to speak of the final spiritual harvest that will be gathered in and reaped when time is no more. We read there, And I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat on to it, like the Son of Man having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat in the crowd, thrust in the sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Well, in today's reading, we have another parable in which farming metaphors feature prominently. The Savior speaks of a man who who sows seed here in the verse number 26 through to the verse number 29. He sows this seed, this seed grows, and eventually the harvest is reaped. Now it's generally accepted by Bible commentators that this parable, this parable of the man who sows the seed, can be considered in one of two ways. The parable can be considered as reflecting the establishment, the growth, the perfection of grace within the individual's life as a Christian, How we see within our lives, we begin that seed of faith planted within the soul. That seed then, through time, germinates as God sanctifies us and brings us to the blade and then to the ear and then to the full corn in the ear. He brings us from a state of spiritual immaturity and into a state of spiritual maturity. And so it can be considered or applied personally as a Christian. We find this growth of grace happening within our lives. That's why the Apostle Paul, he would pen in the New Testament, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But this parable can also be considered as reflecting the origin or the progress of Christianity within the world through the dissemination of the gospel. How it began, I suppose the gospel began in the Garden of Eden, the giving off that proto-evangel, that great message, that great promise about the seed of the woman 
and how the church began, I believe, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve meeting with the family there after they were expelled. Worship began in the world, the worship of the one true and living God, beginning there, that little seed, as it were, in the Garden of Eden, just a single family, and how it has, the gospel has disseminated throughout all of the world, and how its reach is a global reach, and we thank God for that. And so we have this thought here, and it is that second way, this origin, this progress of Christianity into the world through the dissemination of the gospel that we really want to consider this parable today as we think about the kingdom's harvest. The kingdom's harvest. I have three simple points, and so you'll not be bamboozled with any of my points today. You'll get them very, very easily. I want you to see in the first place the sowing of the harvest. The sowing of the harvest. In Mark chapter 4, the Lord Jesus Christ, he likens the kingdom of God to be like a man casting the seed into the ground. Verse 26, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. I believe that in this parable, the seed that is spoken of in the verse number 26 is the same seed that is referred to in the previous part of the chapter. There is another parable, a familiar parable, uh, with regard to the four types of soil, with regard to the throwing in of that seed, and how we see there the thorny ground, we see the good ground, and the various grounds that we have. And the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes to explain what that parable means to his disciples, he makes it very clear what that seed is. He speaks there in the verse 14 that the sower soweth the word, the word of God. And so the seed that we have in the previous parable, now we find this seed once again referred to. Christ does not need to explain again what he has already explained to his disciples. I suppose we could learn a lesson from that. We should learn the first time how slow we are to learn spiritual truth, how slow we are to learn that which God would have us to learn personally within our lives. And so he has to come time and time again to remind us. But on at least this occasion, the disciples, with the short elapse of time, they would understand that speaking again of the seed, he's referring once again to the word of God. Because you see, folks, that's how God's kingdom is advanced in this world is by the sowing off the Word of God, the seed of God's precious Word. It does not grow through coffee mornings. It does not grow through barbecues or fun nights. But rather the gospel, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God's grace, grows through the sowing of God's Word. And so it is the task of every believer whether you be a minister, a Sunday school teacher, a children's meeting worker, a youth worker, whether you're just a nine-to-five Christian, if you could even talk like that, we're 24-hour Christians seven days a week, but just a normal Joe as you were, some just individual, maybe a mother, maybe a father, maybe just someone in a place of employment, it is our responsibility to sow the seed of good. We are to replicate in the spiritual realm what is pictured for us here in the physical realm, we are to be those who scatter the seed of God's Word. 
We cannot germinate the seed. That is beyond our power. We cannot even make the seed grow at all. Again, that is beyond our power. It is an activity. These are activities that we cannot involve ourselves in. We play no role in. But thank God, God in his wisdom has given us an opportunity to play a pivotal role in the advancement of his kingdom. It is in the sowing of the seed. That is what this congregation has been doing for the last two weeks. Sowing seed. Sowing seeds into the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, and young people. You know, there are many of God's people and they're great sowers. They're, they're tremendous sowers. If you, were have a, if you were to have a sewing competition, and I'm not talking about a needle and a thread, but a sewing competition, they would be Premier League, as it were. But they're not sewing as God would have them to sew. You see, these people are great at sowing discord. They're great at it. Maybe you're someone like that. Could it be that there's someone here in Market Hill, Free Presbyterian Church, this afternoon, and you are sowing discord among the brethren? Oh, many, they love to, slow, they love to sow gossip. They're great at sowing gossip. There's others, and they love to sow discouragement. They are people that you, kinda, you, you try to avoid, but those are the people that you never actually get to avoid. They are people who just come, and they are always discouraging Never anything encouraging. And they love to sow discord and discouragement and disunity among the saints of God. But whenever it comes to sowing gospel seed, they're nowhere to be found. Now the question is, to one and all, and I speak to myself, am I busy sowing? Am I busy sowing the seed of God's word? Little statement over there in the book of Haggai. Remember Noel Stevenson many years bringing it to my attention. It's the words there in Haggai chapter 2 in the verse number 9. It's actually a question and it asks this question. Is the seed yet in the barn? Is the seed yet in the barn? Now you and I know that if you're a farmer, and I know that there's probably farmers here today, you'll know that seed in the barn is no good. If you're going to reap a harvest, the seed net needs to come out of the barn, and it needs to go into the ground. Seed in the barn is no good. Seed in the hand is no good. The seed must go into the ground. And brethren and sisters, that is what we're to be involved in. We are to be those who are sharing the gospel. We are not to be negligent in keeping the gospel from others and keeping it to ourselves. If we do that, we are just like those lepers who, who went out of the city of Samaria and they found bounty and provision provided because of the escaping off the enemy and those that were starving inside Samaria. And whenever they found themselves gathering and feeding upon the bounty, something struck them. Conscience was triggered and they said, We do not well. And holding our peace, for this is a day of good tidings. And brethren and sisters, this is a day of good tidings. The gospel is good tidings. And the gospel, thank God, is worth the sharing. And so we're not to be negligent in sowing the seed of the word. You may say, well, preacher, I could never preach. I could never stand in a pulpit. Ah, but through word of mouth, 
Yes, and through living the Christian life and by a gospel track or handing out a gospel CD, preaching DVD, thank God we can sow the seed off the word. And so we're thinking about this sowing, the sowing. This man sowed the seed. He didn't keep it to himself. He threw it into the ground. It was an act of faith when he did so. He threw it into the ground. That's what we're to involve in. Now let's think about a number of things as we think about the sowing of the seed. Our first point is the longest point, so don't be worrying. I want you to notice, first of all, when we are to sow. When are we to sow this seed? In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, the reader is encouraged, Cast thy bread upon the waters, and thou shalt find it after many days. Bread seed. And then in the verse number 4, it goes on to say, He that observeth the wind shall not sow. That statement there in the verse number 4 of Ecclesiastes 11, it refers to that slothful sower who concerns themselves about the prevailing weather conditions. And therefore, looking at the wind, they decide this is not the time to sow the seed. Because as they see it, as they see it, As they have determined in their own mind, the conditions are not favorable at that particular time to sow the seed. And so they keep the seed to themselves. Brethren and sisters, I don't need to come all the way from Portland on to Market Hill to tell you that the conditions for sowing the seed of God's word are not favorable in our land at this present moment of time. But listen. The sinner will always be hostile to the gospel, to the word of God. It is in their nature to be so. It is our responsibility to sow the seed at all times, regardless of the prevailing conditions about us. We are just to be involved in this sowing off the word of God into the hearts of boys and girls and young people and adults, sowing this seed, ever sowing it, at all times sowing the seed. What did Timothy say, or Paul say to young Timothy? Preach the word. Timothy, preach the word. And when do you do it, Timothy? Just whenever it's in season. No, Timothy, you're to preach it in season and out of season. In all times, this is our, this is our task. This is our duty. This is our charge. Ecclesiastes 11 and the verse 6, we go on to read, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand, for thou knowest not whether it shall prosper. Morning or evening, and all time in between, we are to be spreading the gospel, sowing the seed by the means that God has ordained. I say, brother, sister, don't be waiting on some kind of halcyon days for the church of Christ. Some days of we would call utopia days, days of revival, before you start sowing the seed. No, we are to sow the seed, continually sowing the seed into the hearts of li- and lives of individuals. You know, too many have waited for the perfect condition and they've never come. They find themselves way down the road of life, having done nothing for God. I say to you, parents, sow the seed. Sow the seed into the hearts of your boys and girls, your offspring, your sons and your daughters before they leave your company, before they leave your home. Sow the seed. Have them in God's house. Have them here for Sunday school, the children's meeting. Have the word sown into their hearts. Hi, young person, you sow the seed. 
in your place of work, your school, your college, before God and his providence and just in the natural cycle of life, you leave your friends and you leave your work colleagues, maybe because of some other job or because you make your way to some other place of education. Sow the seed among your friends. And for you who are a little bit older, you use the opportunities that God brings across your path day after day. That salesman that comes in through the yard to try to sell you something. Sow a seed through a gospel track. Sow the seed into the hearts of your grandchildren. I'm sure you have them. They're brought to your home. Maybe an unsaved son or daughter. And they bring them into your home. And you have an opportunity, a window of opportunity to sow gospel seed into their hearts. And when you do that, thank God, then we can be sure that God will bring a harvest. May God help us then to always be sowing the seed. But as we think about sowing the seed of the word of God, think of where we are to sow the seed Isaiah 32 verse 20 gives us the answer where we are to sow the seed, this precious seed. In Isaiah chapter 32, let me read the verse there, Isaiah 32 and the verse 20. The word of God says, Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters, that send forth hither the feet of the ox and the ass. You know, we believe that God is a people in this world to be saved. But not knowing who those people are, we are to share the gospel with all that we come into contact with. And this is why we have these words in Isaiah chapter 32. We are to sow beside all waters. John Wesley, the Methodist preacher, looked upon the world as his parish. Writing in his journal on the 11th of June, 1739, he wrote this, I look upon all the world as my parish. Thus far I mean... That in whatever part of it I am, I judge it meet, right, and my bolden duty to declare unto all that are willing to hear the glad tidings of salvation. We then are to sow the seed of God's word in the hearts of the young as well as in the aged, in the lives of the religious as well as the irreligious, in the homes of the godly, as well as in the homes of the ungodlyhood, in our neighborhood, as well as further afield. Everywhere the seed is to be sown. Christ said to his church, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Beloved, let me say this, there are no no-go areas for the gospel. There's maybe many a many many a place, a no-go area for maybe the police or some other type of individual, but there are no no-go areas for the gospel. And to all the world, up in White Cross as much as in Market Hill, in Uri as much as in Armagh, the gospel for all, giving all the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, God would have all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Thirdly, think about then how we are to sow. Can I say we are to to sow affectionately? A couple of points here. We are to to sow affectionately. Psalm 1, 2, 6, verse 5 and 6. I've quoted again, but let me quote it. To you before, I'll quote it now, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. 
I tell you, brethren and sisters, there's, there's heart. There needs to be heart in our sowing. The heart needs to be involved. We are not to sow this seed, the seed of God's word, mechanically. We're not to seed it professionally, as it were. We're not to sow the seed so that we can, well, we do a little tick box exercise. We had a gospel mission in 2022 in a couple of orange halls around Market Hill area, and there we've done our duty. There needs to be heart in it. Heart in it. Did Christ not sow with heart? Did he not stand and weep over the city of Jerusalem? As he looked out and he saw sheep scattered, having no shepherd, he sowed with heart. And we are, as his people, to sow with the heart, as it were. We're to sow the seed of God's word with love and with compassion within our hearts. And as one person said, if not a tear in the eye, at least a tear in the heart. At least a tear in the heart for those who are perishing. Perishing without Christ. We're to sow affectionately. We are to sow abundantly. I suppose that brings us to where we've already been, where we are to sow in all places. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 tells us something again about how we are to sow. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Liberality in sowing leads to liberality in reaping. In proportion to what we sow is what we will reap. Too many of us are frugal. Frugal. I saw it yesterday. We were paintballing. I think we got 200 paintballs. By nearly the time it was over, I still had probably 100. Wasn't very, uh, as it were, bountifully shooting. But I suppose I was trying to get a better target, so it was, on people. I was being frugal. That's County Antrim. It's now working into me, so it is. Uh, County Antrim people, well, they have a reputation, but that's not true. The reputation is not true. Sowing bountifully. I wonder, did you sow bountifully the gospel seed in the last week? Let's take the last week. Did you sow bountifully? Did you withhold the gospel from someone? Did I? That I met a long life's journey? Maybe, brethren and sisters, the reason why there's a lack of reaping is because there's a lack of sowing. We all want the reaping, don't we? We all want our churches to be filled. We all want people to be saved, but maybe we're not doing the sowing. Sowing in prayer. Sowing in evangelism. Sowing and going out. That cannot be said of this congregation, at least in this, these last two weeks you've went out. You're weary, you're tired, I know you are. Two weeks of gospel mission, we're making our way towards that. God willing, next Sunday evening we begin two weeks of gospel mission. Pray for us, we were praying for you. By name, we were praying for you in Portland. We had our week of prayer last week, we prayed for you. Pray for us, pray for the men as they come along to sow the seed. God will work and God will move. Oh, that we will sow liberally, that we'll sow bountifully. Oh, let's, child of God, let's re-engage in the task that God has given his church to do. Let's make Christ known. 
That's our task, to make Christ known, to uplift Christ, to see to the extension of his kingdom of grace in this world. Oh, we say in the disciples' prayer, thy kingdom come. And yes, we speak about the kingdom of glory in that, the kingdom of God coming, Christ bringing the end of time, all things to the end of time, and bringing in the kingdom of glory. But also in that petition, there is the thought of the extension or the establishment of the kingdom of grace in the hearts of men and women. Thy kingdom come. Lord, establish your kingdom in the heart of my unsaved loved one. My husband, my wife, my boy, my girl, Lord, extend thy kingdom. This is how we are to sow. We are to sow affectionately, with heart. We are to sow abundantly. We are not to sow with liberality. Or we are to sow with liberality. Let's not withhold the hand. And so we have the sowing of the seed quickly, the waiting of the harvest. We've thought about the sowing uh, for the harvest, the waiting for the harvest. Because having sown the seed into the ground, we're told in the verse 27 of Mark 4 that the man, he sleeps and rises day and night until eventually that little green blade of ear appears above the soil level. The subsequent growth from blade to ear to full corn in the ear is a process that is mysterious to the sower. In verse 27 we're told that he knoweth not how. He knoweth not how this materializes. He cannot write it down as it were. He doesn't understand the processes involved. Ah, but he doesn't need to. That's the wonderful thing. He doesn't need to understand it. So it is in the gospel. Can you explain what actually happens when a person is born again of the Spirit of God? Could you write it down? It's a, it's a mystery. Ah, we can speak about the regenerating of the heart, the illuminating of the mind, the well-being inclined then towards God, having been inclined towards sin. We know all of the theology about it, but could we really sit down and write it out word for word? Could we write it down like as in code, computer code? Of course we couldn't, but brethren and sisters, we don't need to know. We didn't need to understand how it works. Thank God we know it does work. The gospel works. God makes it work. But there's something that happens between the sowing and then this reaping that we have in the verse 29. And what, is, what happens is that there's months of waiting. Months when it appears that nothing is happening. And yet that's not the case. Because if it is good seed and God's word is good seed, well then something is happening beneath the surface. It's germinating and there's growth, there's growth downward and then eventually after a number of months it breaks through to the surface. Something is happening but months of waiting precede the harvest. Notice a number of things about this growth that takes place. Can I say first of all it's sovereign growth You see, it is God, the Creator, who sovereignly causes the seed to germinate and to grow. Human beings have no part to play within that growth. The text says the seed, and the seed should spring up and grow. He knows not how. 
And just as it is beyond a human's ability to make physical seed come to life, so it is beyond a human's ability to make the seed of God's Word germinate in the soul of any person. When it comes to a sinner's salvation, we cannot recreate or create. We cannot quicken. We cannot enliven. We cannot transform. We cannot generate, regenerate. We cannot save. Rather, the work of salvation, it is a sovereign work. It is a divine work. It is a God-worked work. And whenever we understand that salvation is a work exclusive to God, then we bow in humility. And we bow before him and ascribe all glory to God. What did Paul say? He said over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, So neither... So neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. I say, if you're an unsaved person in this harvest service, God needs to sovereignly work in your heart today. A divine work has to take place. A supernatural work, a heavenly work needs to take place. He must quicken you from the deadness of your sin. He must illuminate that darkened understanding of yours. He must regenerate your heart and incline that heart and your will uh, to himself. Salvation is a sovereign work of God. Salvation belongeth unto God. Jonah, Jonah, though he didn't know very much theology, he knew good theology. At least whenever he found himself in the belly of that great whale, that great fish, because he says, salvation is off the Lord. As I often quip, I don't know whether the fish was an Arminian. He couldn't stomach the fact that salvation was off the Lord. That's what we believe as Calvinists. It's all of God from beginning to end. Maybe he just couldn't stomach that very fact. Maybe you can't stomach that fact. But I tell you, salvation is off the Lord. Thank God for it. It's sovereign. We can only sow the seed, child of God. Uh, Preachers need to understand this. Children's workers, Sunday school teachers, youth workers, door-to-door evangelists, they need to come to an understanding of this. This is God's sovereign work. We are to sow the seed, but he must bring the harvest. He must bring the harvest. This isn't fatalism. This is reality. This is reality. Not only is it sovereign growth, it's it's secret growth. The initial growth of any physical seed is concealed from our view when it lies beneath the surface. And so the seed's growth is initially imperceptible. It's unnoticeable. It's indiscernible. I suppose if any of you parents have been given the trauma, and it is a trauma of receiving a sunflower seed from your little girl or boy from primary school, you'll know that the child expects the very next day that the sunflower will appear. I got seeds home from Abigail this week and she, she, she affirms very, very clearly that there's going to be sunflowers by next Friday. Well, first of all, they're not sunflower seeds, they're cress seeds, but I trust that they'll still be growing by the time we get home. But before We see anything coming to the surface. There's always that secret growth underneath. And so it comes to the seed of God's word. As it's sown in the sinner's heart, God's spirit brings that seed to life. But that initial life is hidden. You think back, if you're a Christian, you think back to before you became a Christian. 
And you think about the trouble of soul you had, the concern you had for the eternal well-being of that soul. Your parents probably didn't know about it, did they? You tried to hide it from them. Your partner, your husband, your wife, your work colleagues certainly didn't know. They didn't know that you were lying on your bed at night, afraid of hell, meeting God in an unprepared state. It's all hidden, wasn't it? But then it came to the surface, didn't it? Maybe at a gospel mission, maybe in a harvest meeting, maybe at home. It all just came to the surface, but God was working already. And this should be an encouragement to those who who labor for God and they see very little happening. Thank God, God is always working. God is always building his church. God has set himself about on this great enterprise of building his church. He has given the guarantee, I will build my church, he said. And so he's doing that. And yet we may not see it. Maybe I speak to someone here today and the seed that was sown in your heart many years ago by a, a safe parent, maybe by a faithful Sunday school teacher, maybe by a Christian teacher, is now starting to germinate in your life and nobody knows about it. Maybe now your sin is ever before you. Maybe eternal matters have been at the very forefront of your mind in recent days. Maybe you were in the gospel mission. God spoke to your heart and God's been troubling you and your soul has become anxious and your mind has become troubled about spiritual matters and about standing before God. If, if that be your condition, then I would say, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. And so it's sovereign growth, it's secret though. It's slow growth. The Savior indicates that after the seed is sown, that it was first the blade and then the ear and the full corn in the ear. It wasn't seed to full corn in the ear. That wasn't the steps. That wasn't the process. The slow but steady process had to take place before the full corn in the ear appeared because no farmer expects ever to see a harvest the next day after he has sown the seed. There are months of waiting, faithful waiting, Months whenever it seems that the growth's terribly slow. And you'll hear farmers saying that. You'll hear them saying the conditions have been terrible this year. Now, they've been good this year, but in other years, maybe not so good. And they would say, you know, the grass not growing as it ought to. And it seems to be that it's very, very slow. So it is in the gospel. It seems to be slow at times. Be a terrible frustration among the people of God. We want to see in the spiritual what we don't see in the natural, in our own foolishness and ignorance. But I want to remind you, child of God, that you didn't come to Christ the first time you heard the gospel. Maybe you did. Well, if you did, that's a rarity. You heard the gospel many times. And God then took that word, sown in the heart, and caused it to germinate. And so, child of God, believer, don't you be getting frustrated where it seems to be that the seed that you have sown in the hearts of your loved ones is slow. God will bring that to a harvest. And can I speak to you if you're a young Christian and you're looking at your Christian life and you're, get, and you're getting very frustrated and you're, you're doing everything that you know to do that will stimulate and encourage growth. You attend the means of grace. You pray. You read the word. You obey the word, you live a holy life. 
Well, don't forget that the advancement of, in grace goes through the blade, goes through the ear, and then to the full corn in the ear stages. There are stages in your Christian walk with God. And so what he has commenced in you, he will continue in you, and he will complete in you. It's successful growth. The seed is sown, the harvest is reaped. Thank God when we sow the seed, his seed, there is a harvest. A harvest. So shall my word that be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Though for a rising of faith among the people of God again, that God will accomplish through his word what he has purposed to accomplish through it. The sowing of the seed will bring the harvest. Finally, the reaping off the harvest. A very brief thought here. Mark 4 verse 29, But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he put forth the sickle, because the harvest is come. According to the parable, the Lord Jesus Christ says with regard to the Christian sower that they are to expect, they are to expect fruit for their labor. Just as the farmer casts the seed into the ground and that grows and produces the harvest, so we who cast the seed into the hearts of others can expect to reap a harvest. The certainty of gathering in a harvest is brought to our attention in other verses of Scripture, Psalm 126, verse 6 again, He that bringeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Galatians 6, verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Isn't it wonderful that to think that although the human messenger only, their only role is as where to sow the seed, that God again gives them the privilege of reaping the harvest as well. They sow the seed, they reap the harvest, but everything in between is of God. We get to share in the joy of the harvest. We get to enjoy the spoil of our labors. And so don't be discouraged. The harvest time is coming on. The harvest time is coming on. God is guaranteed that he will gather to himself all for whom Christ died. To him shall the gathering of the people be unto Christ. He assures us that his harvest will be gathered and not one, not one grain will be lost. Maybe you feel yourself to be in the sieve today like Peter did. Satan hath desired to have thee and to sift thee as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. He's praying for you. And every grain of his will be gathered in to the harvest home, into the heavenly garner. Someday, earth's final harvest will be gathered in. Not a harvest of wheat, barley, not a harvest of potatoes or apples or whatever other fruit produce you care to think of. It will be a harvest of souls. When that harvest comes, I asked you, will you be gathered into God's heavenly garner? 
Or will you be cast into the furnace with the tares? How sad it would be that you have come to another harvest Thanksgiving weekend. It could be said of you as it was said of those in the book of Jeremiah, the harvest is past. The summer is ended. And you're not saved. My closing questions to you are this. Will you ever be saved? Will you ever be saved? Will you ever be reconciled to God? Will you ever be converted? Will you ever be born again? Christ would receive you if you would come to him. Will you come today, this afternoon? to come to Christ and leave this harvest service saved ready for heaven and then engaging until life's little day is over for you engaging and sowing his seed leaving the harvest to him oh may God in his mercy Involve us all in this when we come and give our lives to him and serve him with a glad heart even today.